Alright everybody, welcome back to Sound Pollution. This is episode 45. This week I got to interview a few of the gentlemen from the band Lacing and we're going to learn all about how they got together, what got them started, their inspirations, etc. We're also going to learn about Bummer Recordings and what brought that project on. And of course they're going to share some music with us. I'm not going to do much talking because this is a longer interview and I had a lot of fun. So let's get to it. We're being interviewed by an idiot today. So, <laughs> so sorry. So, sorry. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself to Sound Pollution's listeners? Oh, sure. Um, well, we are. I'm Joe Davenport and I play guitar and sing in the band Lacing and uh, co-run Bummer Recordings with... Uh, me, I'm Jerry Reed. I uh, I run the Bummer Instagram and I play drums and lacing. And then your bass player who's not talking. Yeah, well, yeah. you said you said a couple people, so I didn't know if I should bring everybody or not. I so. mean, you can do it. I don't know how it'll turn out. We can't. I mean, feel free to jump in if you want to. Uh, I have to get another set of headphones. I can't hear you. <laughs> oh, oh, so I'm just talking to somebody who can't even fucking hear me. Cool. I didn't realize that either until just now. <laughs> I might just. Like, he's just looking at the. He's just looking at the computer. Like, what is she? What is happening? <laughs> I don't know if there's a way for you to go in here. Yeah. Okay, so it's just gonna be the two of us. Then. But you go through the main out. I'm not that great at talking anyway. Well, then, then it works out. <laughs> I'm just here to witness it recorded. Interestingly enough, we have two loud people in this band and two quiet people and you you have the two loud people oh yeah. right on that works out well for me <laughs> and for them so that they can just sit there and be quiet yeah yeah rob is not here he's uh fixing something wrong with his house i think it it, it looks like the house the basement anyways looks like the house in a uh, blair witch project at the end that basement yeah, that basement is so creepy it does that's absolutely unacceptable he's fixing it up he just got the house that's the only part of, of the Blair Witch that was scary was the very, the stupid basement. Everything else was dumb. I liked it, but I, I, it was a movie that I should never have seen in the theater because it was so full of people nervous laughing, which is one of my least favorite sounds in the world, and just yelling. And it's like, shut up, I'm trying to get into the movie. I have still never seen the Blair Witch all the way through. It's stupid. And, and I was high when I watched it, so I was one of the nervous, nervous laughter people. <laughs> you can nervous laugh outside of Chattanooga all you want. I, I was like, what am I watching? So why don't you, Jerry? Why don't you tell me about uh, Bummer? Well, why don't you both tell me about Bummer recordings? I didn't know it was my idea. I don't know what brought it up. I think I used to do a tape label called Feld Recordings, and we mm -hmm. mainly dealt with like metal and noise and stuff like that. And we had recently, or somewhat recently, self-released the tape because I had all that under, you know, knew what to do and whatnot. And then it just hit me. It's like, there's lots of bands that we like in our genre that don't put out physical stuff. And, you know, tapes are relatively cheap and easy to do versus vinyl. So let's just yes. start putting out bands we like. The price difference between getting 100 tapes made and 300 records made is, is thousands. That's what stacking pennies was. I was like, you should do vinyl. And he was like, let me explain how this works. <laughs> you go, seriously, if you just do a bare minimum 12 inch with nothing fancy about it at the bare minimum cost of or the run that you have to press, it's like $2,500. It it's, Holy it's crap. Yeah. That's why any band that 100% puts out their own records, I got to respect that because that's, that's crazy. That's it's insane. And it explains why whenever I go to a concert and I want to buy a record, I'm like, oh, my God, why is this so expensive? How many people have, off the top of your head, have you released on Bummer so far? Oh, I can name, I can name all of them. The first tape was this band from, are they from Houston or Dallas? Days. I think they're from Houston. Yeah, Days, D-A-Z-E. And then it was, was the it Lazy Legs EP. Yeah. And then the Stacking Pennies tape. Sleepwalk? And then we recently put out Sleepwalk from Chicago, and that tape's doing really well. We actually put out a non-shoegaze tape that is just uh, crazy beats made by our bassist. Nice. So there's that. And it, are we missing one? I thought oh, oh, missing. and uh, the technically the very first release was the one we did for ourselves a while back. 
which was a split with the band from Portland called Lazy Legs. And uh, so we put that out and then that probably hung out for like a year and a half till we decided to go full, like make it a full thing. And we've got like three or four releases in the chamber right now. So is it mostly shoegaze then? That was the main idea, but we started up something called the the decibel series where like in the catalog number, like instead of going one to two, you'd have one and then 1.5. And the decimals are the weird things. They're going to be beat tapes, noise, Right. Weird demos. I mean, we put out anything we like, but it's going to more than likely be in the decimal series just for fun, just to make it more nerdy and fun to collect. And now, are you going to expand this at all? Are you trying to keep it kind of like small, independent uh, musicians at this point? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm down to just hit up anybody or if anybody that we enjoy hits us up. That's how we actually started uh, working with Stacking Pennies is because they hit us up. Because we did a uh, Reddit post. He was just mm-hmm. like, hey, check this out. Maybe we can do something. And we were all just blown away. It's such a good album. Oh, my God. And then even the and the new one is really, really, really good, too. And yeah, that guy's going places. I don't think, yeah. he, I don't think he grasps where he's going yet. People people need to, to get on that ASAP because he's mm-hmm. just putting out such good stuff. Especially now he's got his own studio going and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's wanting to he's wanting to produce and stuff. Yeah, it's it's he's only going up. Yep, exactly. So it's we knew him when. Yeah. <laughs> he was right. the shining star in the sky. I know. I know when he reached out to me. I don't think the only time I'd ever sh- heard of shoegaze was my brother likes it and and I I like it. It like everything good about alternative and ambient like together. There you go. You get it. That's how I that's how I hear it. I think like and I, but I'm older and I think of like Mazzy Star and stuff like that. And that stuff's good too. Yeah, it's like Mazzy Star but louder. I think that's a yeah, app exactly. But when he sent me his stuff, I was like, what is happening? And he he's he's talked so highly of Bummer Recordings. Oh. Now have you have you thought about? I mean, do you do a studio or do they just send you the stuff and you get the tapes made? Yeah, it's pretty much that. Like, right. I mean, if if we were doing it as like a full time endeavor say like a discord records or something we would pay to get stuff recorded but it's very uh diy aka cheap and <laughs> because like a lot of the recordings existed before we even got them like that days album that we put out yeah. was on spotify it came out right at the beginning of the pandemic so they didn't get to play or really promote Aww. it and they just threw it online and then i just started That's what everybody did. Yeah. yeah and i started listening to it and i was like this is really good and we vaguely know them already from just kind of being in the same scene or whatnot. So let's just hit them up. And they were into it. And I still love that record. It's still good. I'm going to have to look that one up. It's on, a, like I said, it's on Spotify. I think everything we've put out is on Spotify except for uh, Joe's Beat Tape. Everything else oh, definitely it's is. It's on Bandcamp, isn't it? Yes, that's on the Bummer Bandcamp, but everything else is on Spotify. So you can find Bummer Recordings on Spotify. I just wanted you yeah. give them the exact address. On Bandcamp? So that, for both, so that the listener can hear it. Okay, what what is the Bandcamp URL? Is it just bummerrecordings.bandcamp.com? Yep. That, okay, that's, that's what the quiet guy told me. And is this the same with Spotify? On Spotify, you'll just have to look up the artist because we're okay. not uploading them, so they don't have... You know, they're not under our name when you see the label at the bottom. I got it. And that's cool with me because I don't want to own these recordings. No, yeah, they're not. They're not they're mine. Not. I, didn't do, I didn't do anything to earn that. We have no contracts with any bands. Ne- never, never, ever. It's like basically we press 100 tapes, they get 20, and we sell what we can. And if they need more, they can bomb at cost, and hopefully we make our money back. And so nice. far, we have. So there you go. If we can, if like the last day we did this label... And we had zero dollars in the bummer bank account or PayPal account. I would mm-hmm. be fine with that. Negative twenty, that stinks, but whatever. But zero is fine. I'm not looking for any profit whatsoever. So you're just doing it to get it out there for them. Exactly. Yeah, as long as we can break even and I think we're gonna keep doing it as long as we possibly can. Yeah. Like the 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 only thing issue we may run into is if we do something uh a long time ago, I was on a label where there was a record that I recorded that was supposed to come out, and the label had essentially pressed too many copies of the release that came out before mine, and that 
release tanked their entire label and they basically had to come to me and say like not only are we not putting your record out but like um our label is also folding and that was really sad oh no as in so, and i eventually put it out on, yeah, on tape yeah yeah and then, <laughs> and, then that, and then that record ended up jerry put it out on tape on his old label failed so yeah thank god so let's talk about how lacing got together well, it kind of stems from that project, actually. Yeah. I mean, me and Jerry and uh, <clears throat> Joe McCullough were involved in the local noise scene pretty heavily. And mm-hmm. um, I was doing a project that was basically like harsh noise shoegaze, where it was just me recording a bunch of layers of guitars and just like piling them on and, and making it as loud as possible and like that kind of thing. And It's like basically taking shoegaze to the furthest point where it doesn't even have rhythm or beats or anything. And it's just waves of affected guitar crashing down but towards the end of doing that jerry and i started talking about turning that into something where we would write actual songs and then um so we summer of 2015 we started jamming and then uh joe mccullough came over after we had been playing together for like a week or two yeah because me and joe mccullough were jamming doing a totally different kind of thing and then i told the joe is talking a second ago Told him I was like, I know a bass player. And so they just merged. Right around that same time, Rob was in another band called Swoon. There was a shoegaze band here locally, and they hadn't been out for, they hadn't been doing much. And I think maybe there was a possibility that they were getting ready to break up. And then it kind of happened, and they, we just were like brought him in to our band. Because I've known Rob since high school, so that's going on 20-something years. And we worked together at the time, so I was like, Hey, I'm in this band. You want to come ch- check it out and do stuff? He's like, yo, there you go. So literally just like the one thing ended over here and then everything else just sort of fell into place. Yeah, yeah it was relatively easy. Yeah. Oh, well, OK, so what got you each, the two of you individually into music? What was what was it about music that you just couldn't turn away from? I don't know, I don't know if, I can, if I can pinpoint a specific instance But music has played a part in my life since I was probably four years old. You know, I had my first album was Thriller on tape. That's that's my age range. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. And then uh, I remember around third grade getting really into the early era of like Poison and Motley Crue and stuff like that. And uh, it just I was just like, oh, I buy tapes. I like tapes. I'm listening to these tapes. And then I got older and I was like, oh. I guess I'm into rap music now. I'm buying all these rap tapes. I'm liking rap. Then grunge came and blew everything up. And then it was like, oh, it's such a wonderful time. I just remember going on a field trip trip in eighth grade. And my friend's like, I got my brother's tape collection in this bag. And so it was just like, it was like having Spotify base. It was like, oh, I've heard of this band. I've heard of ministry. What does ministry sound like? I've heard of this. I've heard of that. And hearing everything. And then just kind of still love music. Then went through uh, a big punk phase in high school. And then after that, it just kind of became, oh, I think I like some of everything. So I'm just going to like music. Because, <laughs> okay. you know, I wasn't just, I just like punk. It was like, I like punk and I liked Prodigy at the same time. And I liked Green Day and I also liked, you know, Pearl Jam all at the same time. So it's like, now I just like what I like. I don't really have a mm-hmm. thing. But it's just <laughs> always been there, even more nowadays. Honestly. And can you can you just not even imagine yourself doing anything else? Why would I do that? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. no I'll, I'll give you Some the real Some people answer. are like, yeah, I could do this and that. And then other people are like, I can't even think about it. Once I started playing in bands, I haven't not been playing in a band. And if I had, if I did have a period where I wasn't playing in a band, I just had no interest in playing music at all. Plus, being in a band's... If you do it right, it's just a good excuse to hang out with your friends and be creative. Exactly. Have a good the time. family outside the family. Exactly. So that's me on that. I would say that um, there's a, a, a will to create that doesn't go away. And anytime that I wasn't in a band, I've been in bands since I was like 13 and of different varieties, mostly punk bands and hardcore bands and metal bands up to a point And then... Um, I was always like the main songwriter in every band that I was in for the most part. And then later on, I started doing a, 
like singer songwriter stuff for a while and then i started and then i did that noise shoegaze thing for like a full decade and um it's called millipede he hasn't it, mentioned it for some reason yeah it's because every time i mention it people are like when are you going to do another millipede record and it's it's been like 10 years since i've done anything really at some point i may pick it back up but it's it's like i was saying a minute ago sort of just to reiterate what jerry said like there's not going to be a thing in my life i think when i'm not making music of some kind there may be a time when i'm not in a band anymore but um I don't foresee that happening. I, I like for us to just keep doing lacing as long as we possibly can. Because it's my favorite band I've ever been in. And certainly, was, I think, the best band I've ever been in. You're very good. Oh, no, 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 you are. Seriously, I was like, Chattanooga is not that far. I could go to a show. Hey, you can come up there. Why is music so important to you that you came up with Bummer Recordings and you grouped together on the band? Was there, like... That was a stupid question. I don't know no, what just No, 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 it's, it's, it's not a stupid question. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of hard to answer. It's a question. difficult question. I know. Uh, and that, that's fine. Uh, hard hitting journalism. Uh, <laughs> I had that kind of day. Phil, I feel that. Uh, but music, importance. Music. Um, one thing that really isn't truly related, but it's kind of there, is I have tinnitus, so it keeps me from hearing ringing in my ears all the time. Uh, by putting more sound into my ears to make them ring more, but it works. Um, I don't know. It's just always like, like oh, it, it it's almost like my emotions get stuck in my body and I, in my head, and I can't get them out or something. But it's like if I'm mad, yeah, I'll be mad and fuming and stuff. But if I can listen to something that is also mad, it kind of helps me with that. Or if I like I'm sad, I can listen to that, and it kind of helps kick the emotions fully in to maybe go through them or something. I don't. I don't know. Or it can also control your emotions. Like, I yeah. have a playlist just made of songs I love that make me happy all the time. And if I'm bummed, I put it on. It's only like seven songs, but it gets me stoked every time. I would say that, that along the lines of what Jerry was talking about, and going back to what I was saying before about they're just, just having like a some kind of like irrepressible urge to create things, that there's also this desire to... And I think for this probably goes for all of us and most musicians that I know is this notion of like, you know, it is kind of a, it's, it's therapeutic in a way and, and in a, in a positive constructive way, as opposed to something negative where it's like, I, you know, I don't play sports. I never played sports and I can't play video games all the time. And I, not for lack of trying. And yeah, not for lack of trying. I mean, you can't, but it certainly is one of those things where um, it does often feel like therapy. It feels like when I write, even if I don't mean to or try to, even if I write about a theoretical subject, it's something it, like it's almost impossible not to put some sort of like personal feelings in there some way. And mm-hmm. it seems extremely helpful. No, that makes total sense. It's like, yeah. I'm saying like you listen to music kind of matches your feelings. So if you're writing something related to these feelings, you're going to have those. It's, it's art, it's art therapy. There you go. There you go. It's art therapy. With a lot less mess. With a, yes. <laughs> Why? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on if you're like angry and you're breaking shit or if you're crying and I don't know. Oh no. Whenever I hear the word, it's art therapy. I think of finger painting. <laughs> I don't know why oh, I think yes. of finger painting. Yes. That's just what I imagined was like, Slat, you know, tarp slathered in uh, in paint and like smocks and, and things of that nature. <laughs> so let's move on to the three wonderful tracks that you sent me. I'm gonna start with Swirl. Why don't you tell me about Swirl? Yeah, Swirl is the first like song song on our last album without, and um, it's one of the few tracks from the record where I think I had like the majority of it done and brought it in and, and like the the band version of it is like not super different from the demo version that i that i had i've talked kind of extensively about it in some other interviews but like the whole album is a uh, um, basically a a really weird sort of going back to that whole therapy aspect mm. that where like that the whole <clears throat> album that, that song comes from is about my family and about a period that my family went through in the 90s that my siblings and I and my mom went through. Like, I grew up in a household with a pretty abusive father, and uh, that's a lot of the album without is about that. The song Swirl is 
I mean, it can be about whatever a person who's listening to it wants them to be about, but like, or as the the writer of it, the song is about some time that I spent in a, um, in therapy in a program for like a month at the end of the 90s where uh, I uh, had to go and uh, talk about trying to kill myself in group therapy every day. And uh, it was uh, a very weird, not fun experience. I don't know yeah. why it's called Swirl. I couldn't tell you that to save my life. Does it not just play into the song title thing? Yeah, might be. No, we, just, we can call songs whatever. We have a band rule that can, uh, songs can only have uh, one word names. Okay. And sometimes they're related, sometimes they're not at all, and sometimes they're inside jokes that evolve. Yeah, sometimes the, the song is about one thing maybe, but then like the, the title that has to do with like the musical part of it, and it's a it's a joke or a pun on our part, because like, mm-hmm. like there's a song on Without that's called Prague, like the name of the city. <laughs> but, it's called, but it's called that not because of we've ever been to the city of Prague, but because... Or like, that it's even about the city of Prague. Right, it's called that because Joe... Macolo, who's sitting here, brought in a, the bass line for that song, and for, like, before we turned it into a song, I spent, like, two or three practices telling him that it sounded too much like prog rock, and that we could... I don't oh. want to play that. I, I wondered if that's where you were going. Yeah, yes, please quote me. Do it. Oh. Do it. I don't want to play this prog rock bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> was the exact quote. So then we started calling it prog, and then it was like, well, that's going to be weird on a record, and then it turned into prog. So that's where that comes from. It has nothing, lyrically, has absolutely zero to do with any of that. With Right, right. So, yeah, anybody, anytime anyone mentions that song, I still chuckle just thinking of that. Yeah, it's very funny because, like, it was one of those things, too, where, like, musically, I always, I felt like from the get-go that that song shouldn't have worked at all. And yet, I think it's a testament to our band dynamic and friendship that we were able to take something that I basically told everybody else was trash <laughs> a really really good song or at least i think it's good from i, I do too or you know from being in the band. uh basically so, it's not like you have to like be like at gunpoint to play it right right i don't i don't like begrudgingly like all right we gotta play prog again <laughs>
about the next one then, because if, if they're all one name songs, I think I wrote it down wrong. No, probably not, but go for it. Bummer, Shoulder? Oh, Shoulder. It's from the shoulder. album. I figured it was Shoulder. Damn it. It's from our first album called Bummer. So that's where you got. Oh, okay. That's And that's what, where Bummer recordings. Came. I got you. Yeah, it's just clever, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah. Shoulder is a song that me and the other Joe worked on musically. Like he had a song and I had a song and we couldn't make either of those songs work. And then we had a little sort of writing session where we basically kind of meshed the two of them together. And uh, I think probably because of the age of all of us, there's a certain amount of like Pixies records that we grew up listening to. And yeah, so I thought there might be. I would call the, the I would call the shoulder that songs like dynamic, the classic like Pixies, Nirvana, yeah, loud, loud thing where it's like the bass part on the verses like is playing and the guitar is not really doing. All I a lot. love the bass on that song. He I'm not trying me. to brag, but we have a killer bass player. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved. I really did feel like that old school school indie grunge vibe with that. I was like, this is really good. It's my favorite. It's my favorite one you sent me. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, is, for sure. We we really really like playing that song. Like from the very first like moment, I think that it was done. It was one of those things that we all felt super good about. Yeah, which is rare. It's, it's uh, we don't play everything from the first record, but that's one of like three we've definitely kept.
playing before I go into the next song? Have you guys been able to play anywhere? Or have you just been sitting there for a year and a half writing? We have not played a show since two Januarys ago. Shit. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it, the beginning of the pandemic, the first from, I think, March to the end of May of 2020, like we didn't even practice. We didn't see each other. Uh, it was really weird. And then when we Just take a break, we basically took like a, Not by choice. an extended no. break. And then um, when we started practicing again, we knew we weren't going to be able to play shows for a while. So we were just like we we started talking about. Like, let's just start writing stuff. Let's just start playing stuff. And let's not really even, I don't think we even really had like a goal in mind at that point. Did we, we, did we, we just write a bunch of songs? Kind of like, just write and see what happens. You just sort of let your, your inspiration go wherever. I mean, you had time to kill. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's cool because you don't have to work, you know, when you have shows, you got to like, okay, let's figure out the set. Let's play the set. Or, I mean, if that's what you do in a band, that's what we do. And so not having basically an hour and a half of every practice being used for getting ready for something just made yeah. it right it's interesting because in a way it really hurt us because we had put the last album out right you know like maybe six months before covid's hit it was like october of 2019 when that record yeah, came Halloween. Out. and then and then covid hit like march of 2020 so but we had all these plans for 2020 where we were like okay we're gonna start trying to tour some we're gonna start trying to like play out regionally and like do you know, like long weekend jaunts and this kind of thing. And uh, that threw all of our plans. Like we got two of them. We got two in. Yeah. We, we had played, to cancel the third and haven't talked about a show since. Yeah. We played Birmingham and we played Atlanta right before COVID hit. And those like went really well. We had like one of the more bigger shows and like really good turnout. Played with good thing. bands. Very positive experiences. And, uh, but yeah, I like COVID is almost you know redundant to say at this point but it killed momentum for like everybody making music everywhere now, I'm, gonna come, did. I'm gonna come in with this hot take and i'm sorry if i blow minds or get you bad reviews because people are going to be shocked by this but <laughs> covid sucks anyway back to music i'm sorry it's okay I'll i don't i don't like to put politics in we don't really do political i guess but i mean we, yeah. you kind of do nowadays that's i mean that's just the world we live in yeah i think i would rather people know up front how we feel about like a lot of different issues as far as that i mean you know what i mean like <clears throat> i don't want someone ever getting the misconception that if they listen to a lacing record that like <clears throat> we're gonna be uh we're gonna be cool with the fact that they're uh you know transphobic phobic or homophobic or racist so uh, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, but if it is, maybe like <laughs> maybe if people feel have those kind of like hateful feelings, they can fuck right off and never buy another one of our records. I have no problem with that. They can so, kiss my entire ass. So yes. What I wish they would do is when they hear that, maybe reflect on themselves and wonder why they have so much hate for people they don't know. Exactly. Exactly. That's just weird. and a complete lack of empathy. It's disgusting. It is just absolutely disgusting. I, if I think of anything, COVID just showed us how truly fucked up this country is as far as the individuals in it. Oh, we're all getting bummed out now. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, Violet, tell What's me about that? Violet. Uh, it's like a sweeter song. That's my favorite lacing song. Is it? Yes. Why? I, I don't know. Um, besides the fact that it's fun to play, just even listening to it, I got I got really obsessed with it when we were writing it and recording it just to make sure it could get perfect. Like it just got stuck in my head constantly. And that song has little things in it that a lot of our songs recording wise don't because I was getting so weird about it that I wanted to add shit without going overboard. Um, but we did, we did talk about that. Like from the get go, Jerry and I talked about, I brought in the the demo the thing that I had for Violet was basically the first half of the song practice. It was just like those chord changes and stuff. And I had a completely different chorus for it. That makes no sense now whatsoever. I and don't that, remember any of this. Uh, that's because I never, you guys never even saw it. Oh, okay. Cool. The, the other chorus sometimes still gets stuck in my head and it doesn't make any sense with the rest of the lyrics. It's again, one of those, you know, like I said, people are free to, you know, sort of project themselves into any of the lyrics that we have in the songs to whatever degree they feel necessary. But like that is a song about child abuse, um, about you know 
my siblings and I and how we would try to like deal with the you know my dad whenever he was like on one of his rampages and the I don't know um the the, the music to it's just one of those things where like from the get-go when I brought it in Jerry and I started talking about like well these chords are really beautiful let's what kinds of effects can we just stack on top of here because it we wanted it to sound like really really lush so we added like layers and layers of chorus electron patch underneath it somewhere that almost has like a selected ambient works apex twin kind of vibe to it i put phasers on the cymbals yeah yeah we did really weird stuff to violet it's got it's got uh some kind of vocal filter on it that we didn't use on anything else i think it's a chorus isn't it but it's like cranked a different yeah it's a it's a really weird panned chorus on the vocals like everything about that song is super weird and it I hope that if people take away one thing from Violet at all, sort of like the test, Violet felt like the test run for whatever we did next, where we were like, if we can get away with pulling this off, how much stuff can we add to the next things that we do? <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about the, the, like the third guitar idea and stuff? Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun.
because we're actually gearing up to record again at the beginning of August. Are you going to try to go out and play first a little bit since things are opening back up? Um, if anybody asks, we're down. But usually I don't book shows unless somebody, you know, we get hit up a lot to help bands. And we're um, pretty good at, about doing that. But please don't everyone hit us up because I don't know how things are right now. But anyways, uh, so yeah, I haven't really tried to book anything yet, but I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I do have a noise show in August. That's exciting. When people talk about that, I hear, or they, they talk about that type of music and they're like, noise this, noise that. I hear Jay and Silent Bob in my head. Noise, noise, noise. Smoking weed, smoking weed. Do my coke, drinking beer. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Is it that? I, I love that movie. I did. Do you find, because it's, it's something I find true for me, and they they like to call us elder millennials or um, the Oregon Trail generation, which they can all fuck right off. I heard but, it was Star Wars is the thing. I, I've heard that a bunch of times, the Star Wars see, generation. I fell into the Oregon Trail age bracket, but I never played it. We didn't have it in my school. No, I mean, I guess it's just because it was like the first video game. We all played it in school. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I never But do you find that that's been, as far as music goes, I was just thinking about this literally the other day. Because they talk about how we, we were, you know, you know, we could go to the library and look for books the old school way. We didn't have to Google things. But then we, we've gotten very used to technology and we're just as efficient at it. Do yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. Do you find that it's sort of the same with music? Like, I feel like our generation, this weird part of this generation, we're just as familiar with stuff from way, way, way back when as we are with the new stuff coming up because we had so much different music we had coming at us from different areas. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems to me, and, and no offense to any younger people, but a lot of people especially maybe now with just how streaming works and how there's no underground or whatever, but most people... I never have thought about that in those... There is no fucking underground no, anymore. No, at all. If oh it becomes God. big, it gets on the internet, and sometimes it gets so big before it becomes a thing, it dies. Like, did you ever... What is that? C-punk? Yes, yeah, like this wasn't even a real genre. It wasn't even like a real genre, but it blew up, and there were like things about it, and this is how you dress C-punk. And I never even heard a song, and the, it died before it could even produce music. It was just a thing. It's just there, there's no room for nurturing because everybody wants to be the first to share this new thing. Mm -hmm. But anyways, it seems like a lot of younger people don't so much care about the older music for whatever reason. And we were at an age where, say you really were into music in the, we'll say, mid to late 90s. Mm -hmm. you, you were exposed to Zeppelin's Easy Top, stuff like that. And then, Just as much as you were to Nirvana and Snoop Dogg and, you know, the digital stuff. And when the digital stuff yeah, started, yeah. When, when House got big, I started DJing. I could, like, still spin actual vinyl records. Nice. When Not you were little, little, you always yeah. heard about Woodstock and, like, yes. the 50s and, you know, Buddy Holly, things like that. So, like... In that time frame, you heard about a lot about everything before. We're there for the present. And if you cared about the shit, you paid attention in the future. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I don't see why a 14-year-old would give a shit about, like, the big bopper right now. I, I get it. It's so not relevant to today's kids in my – from what I see. So I get that. It, it's, it's really weird. I had a conversation with a friend of, of mine not too long ago about what the relative lifespan of like all music is. Mm. And when I say that, I mean, like, if you think about the scale of which, you know, at which music is produced by anyone uh, at any level, that's not like say the Beatles necessarily, or like, you know, like that level of, of notoriety, at what point do you just get completely crushed into dust left behind by time? You know, I do think that, you know, in 30, 40, 50 years, whenever we've reached the point where like the Beatles will have existed in the collective consciousness for like a hundred years, people will still remember that. But like, like what, what kinds of things will fall by the wayside? Or are we reaching a point where because of the internet, like nothing will ever be forgotten? Well, I can't say that nothing will ever be forgotten. There's, there are archivists. Relevant? There, yeah, relevant is, is maybe the correct term. There, there are archivists that I know 
in like music, film, and video games concerned right now about like the massive amount of music that's never been digitized and like the fact that like if we started digitizing even records that never made it to CD right now, we would still not be able to get them all digitized before some of those CDs started to have disc drive. Wow. Say, like, the way we do digital now could be very different in 30 years. Yeah, yeah. I can, you know it changed. It changed really fast. I mean, it did. It. I mean, it went from internet. When I was a kid, we never even would have thought like NASA used it, and that was fucking it. <laughs> no. And then the next thing I know, I could go walk to the local college, and I could get on their computers and actually get on the internet. You know, and in between that, I was playing this little green computer, and yeah. now I can't survive without a cell phone. <laughs> Don't you just hate that you feel that way about yourself? Because I know I feel that way about myself. These kids do not know what it's like to go outside and get really dirty and to come back home when those streetlights come on. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was a real thing because they're all in front of the screens. Which I'm not going to lie, though. I was in front of a different screen. I was in front of a different screen as a kid, and that was my NES and the TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did spend a lot of time in front of the old movie. But, but no, you're, you're, what you're saying is totally right. There. It's just different. It's different. Just, I think it's that's also, different. yeah, I think that's a big thing, though, especially with, I guess, what you call boomers. Mm-hmm. Or if you, you generalize them, I don't know everyone, so I can't say this, but it's just like they refuse to understand that life is just fucking different now. Everything is. is different than it was in the 60s and the 70s. And, and, these and 40 years are going to be different than they are now. And, and we're this weird pod of a generation that knows what it was like before and knows what it was like after so we're a little more limber than the people before us and the people after us i didn't personally own a computer until i was in my 20s right right yeah so and music and how you and how you share music has changed yeah which is why i thought it was so cool that bummer does tapes they never died. That's the thing. I, I personally feel I that. just never heard of, I just haven't had seen anybody put out yeah. a tape. It was weird. It went from like CDs to MP3s, then back to vinyl, and tapes were just kind of skimmed over. I think, like, I remember my first tape. Yeah, me too. I remember, I remember it was Billie Holiday. I begged for it. There you go. Mine was Thriller, like I mentioned. Thriller. A thriller was one was not long after, honestly. What about you? What was your first one? Um, I think the first the first tape I ever had was a tape of the Beatles, Sgt. Peppers, that one of my uncles gave to me. And oh, then, that's a good album, though. And then, but when I was like 11 or 12, every kid in my neighborhood, one of us, I think it was me, bought a copy of like Nevermind on CD, and then we yeah. all dubbed tape copies of Nirvana's yeah. Nevermind and like passed them around to like every kid in my neighborhood. Oh my God! And so like, it we was all the, skateboard to never. It was album and i lived in washington state like oh, everybody found a way to have that album everybody yeah. did talking about taping cds the funniest one this kid in my ninth grade class taped the adams the first adam sandler <laughs> cd but he only had cause singles so it was almost oh. like a, it was almost like a box set it was like five tapes like six it was like a joke per side yeah yeah it was like a track per side basically (laughs) i you know i'm like i remember you know tapes i couldn't afford and like sitting waiting at the fucking stereo to hit record on the tape that you put the the scotch tape over the end part and then you stuck it in, and then you were like, just you. And the damn DJ would talk over the first fucking minute and a half of the song. <laughs> you can sum that. I think it's because tapes are, I guess, kind of cool nowadays. They are cool. Um, I guess we're part of the problem to a certain extent. But uh, the thing is, it. most people know this: tapes never, ever went away. They were no. used, well, almost exclusively, but like getting back to noise, noise, noise. I mean, they were putting out tapes. Well, that's how I got back into tapes is I started getting into noise and everybody was putting out tapes and they were like yeah. six bucks a pop. And it's like, okay, I'll go to the Goodwill or whatever. And I got a really nice tape deck actually for like 10 bucks. Oh, yeah. My stereo I've, got and one. Go. I've got my I've got my decks hooked up through it just like I did back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So I can rec- I have I mean, now the laptop's hooked into it, too, but I can, you know, record an MP3 of a set or I can record a tape or both at the same time. Yeah, that's that's awesome. 
Oh, I just want to throw this out to everybody because tapes are kind of cool. If you <laughs> if you see someone trying to sell a tape, a single tape, new for fourteen or fifteen dollars, and you know there are more than a hundred copies of that tape, they are ripping you off. That tape should never be double digits as of now in America. Well, back in the day, they might they were a little. Well, just a few years ago, they thought they were out of product. They just thought tapes were ex- literally extinct, like, oh, yeah. we don't have the stuff. So that would make sense. But, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know. I, like I said, I got into it through, like, cheap noise tapes. And then I started seeing, like, Hydrahead putting out tapes and charging 16 bucks for them. And it's like, I know better I know. than this. I That's know crazy. what you're doing is sketchy. I still like Hydrahead and all, but that just wasn't, I don't know, that just didn't sit right with me. Still doesn't. I've, I've already taken up enough of your time. How about you throw out your social media for both Bummer and for the band? Okay. Uh, Lacing is on our own Instagram. We have a Facebook page, but we never really use it. So if you want, you can message us or just check it out. It's what, Lacing Band? Yeah. Yep. And Bummer Recordings is pretty much exclusive to Instagram, and it is just Bummer Recordings. Yeah. And L- Lacing Band is Instagram. That's the same. It's, yeah. It's uh, – Trying to think of like, oh, what's the Bandcamp? It's like lacing.bandcamp.com. Is that it? Yeah, lacing.bandcamp.com and bummerrecordings.bandcamp.com. And uh, on those, you can do all the ordering you want to do, and I mail those out. I try to be really quick about it. I go to the post office at least once a week, so you're not going to. Oh, wow. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty close to my house, so. No, that's nice. I, I have one question. I ask everybody this. If you were going to give advice to somebody who is thinking about pursuing music, what would you tell them? You go first, Jeff. Oh, this is a, I don't know. I feel like all the advice that I would, I would have, I would give anybody would be wrong. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never known what I'm doing. I'll, 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 let's see. I, I have a thing where like the label and the bands never really get to me. Because I already realized a long time ago, I'm not going to make a job out of this. I'm not. I'm not going to make a career out of selling tapes out of my record. It's just not going to happen. So maybe don't worry so much about, quote unquote, making it, but just make sure you're having a good time while doing it. Because if you're not, what's the whole point? You You can make a lot more money hating your job somewhere else, you know? Definitely make sure that you're having a good time. Do it for the right reasons. Like, I don't care what Gene Simmons says. You're not just going to get a girl because you play guitar. And honestly, if somebody's just hanging out with you because you play guitar, why would you want to be around them? They're obviously superficial. Yeah. Oh, and uh, just another fun fact is uh, Gene Simmons really sucks. He's He's, just a horrible human being. Yes. (laughs) He is a garbage fire of a fucking person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's in my top five most hated celebrities <laughs> without a doubt and I yeah. oh my god who's the other four i gotta think oh, about oh, oh i could like, like i could think of a couple how about mike love from the beach boys oh he sucks it's responsible for kokomo and he has a for some reason feels the need to wear a glove when he plays tambourine fuck my glove <laughs> and he always wears a hat with his name on it yeah <laughs> richards who keith richards <laughs> keith richards is fine dude yes <laughs> to me yeah. Uh, Modern day Kid Rock's definitely up there. You know, I really liked him, and then I don't know what happened over the last couple years, but it was weird. Yeah. uh, He went somewhere else. I don't know. I think he thought Ted Nugent was going to die, so he's like, I'm going to get ready to take his place. (laughs) (laughs) Ted Nugent's also on that list. He's garbage. Um, Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent is garbage. Kid Rock is garbage. Gene Simmons is garbage. And this is leaving politics totally out of the equation. Just, just, just on like morals and integrity alone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. If I could think longer, I would give you more. Talking shit with lacing. I I love this. That would be a good part. So leaving this in too. What's it gonna do? Sue me? Right. Come, come find us. Gene Simmons, I'm challenging you to an arm wrestling match. And I don't even work out, but I'll still kick your old ass. <laughs> he seems looks like he wears a wig. And a he bad, does wear a wig. A he does. He, do, he look like that's a fact. He wears a wig. Oh, I didn't know that was a that was not common knowledge. I just thought that was just making. It's weird though. I should uh, by the same uh, by the same regards. I should really hate fucking uh, Paul Stanley, but I don't. Paul Stanley's whatever. It's just Gene Simmons. Something about him in general. 
It's it's his whole thing, basically. That I think when he said that everybody that plays music did it to get laid, and I just think that's fucking disgusting. And don't yeah. put off your frat bro bullshit. On yeah, leave your toxic toxic masculinity to yeah, your people yeah. because I'm sure Kid Rock. I, I mean, no, granted, in fairness, I mean, when you're a teenager and you start playing music, it's a perk. No, nobody's gonna say it's not, but that's not the whole reason you do it. No, if it no, is, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're not doing it for the right, in my opinion, the right reasons. There, there may not be a right reason. Maybe everybody gets to pick their own reason, and that's right for them. I'm getting heady with it, sorry. Uh, but, but I'm not taking back the Gene Simmons shit. <laughs> He's the grave. The, the last day of lacing before we break up, I'm going to go out screaming, fuck Gene Simmons. When I die, take my body, spray paint. Fuck you on it and throw it on his doorstep. <laughs> I love that. Jeez. <laughs> Damn. With this shit? I'll probably leave that part out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it would be hilarious. Is there anything else you want uh, my listeners to know? Uh, I would say go support all the bands that we put out stuff from on Bummer. Uh, they're all truly, truly amazing. Lazy Legs, Stacking Pennies, Days. Uh, no. That's a new sleepwalk. one coming up. Yeah, Day Aches coming up. Oh! Day Aches, Sleepwalk. We didn't even talk about the upcoming releases. We didn't. We suck. Go ahead. Newest Tapes coming up is by a band called Day Aches. They're about to drop an EP, and we're doing a short-run tape of it. Then we're working with this band from Birmingham called Null, and I don't even know how to describe them. They're not shoegaze. They're not stoner rock. They're not indie rock. They're not definitely not metal. But they're somewhere between all that. Yeah. And then, then there's lacing stuff coming up. We're doing a, putting out a whole CD of remixes of Without. Like the whole album's been remixed by different people. We're doing a super limited 7-inch lathe cut. It's a secret cover song. All we can say is it's not very ape. Yeah, it's a Nirvana cover, but we won't tell people what, what it is until it comes out. And then the stuff we're going oh. to record... We're going to split release it with Elder Magic, who puts out our stuff. And so it'll be Bummer, Elder Magic, and Handstand, Handstand who uh, put out the CD of Without. Hey, Will. Hey, Turtle. If they hear this. All right, everybody. That was episode 45 featuring Lacing. For more information about the band and Bummer Recordings, just scroll down there to the description section. I have all the links listed for you. Don't forget to follow them on social media, Bandcamp, and support the independent musician. Also, don't forget to follow Sound Pollution on social media. And if you're interested in being on an episode of the show, you can email me at soundpollutionpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you might be interested in doing a live with me one week, again, you can reach me at that same website or you can DM me on social media. I hope everybody has a great week. As always, thank you so much for listening and supporting. Be love and make some noise. <laughs>